we're gonna put you in your feels as we talk about very emotional video games. And today we are joined by Renegade Operative. You'll know him from Infinite Ammo Syndicate. Renegade, good morning. How are you? Hi everyone, how's it going? I'm Renegade Operative from the Infinite Ammo Syndicate, and I'm very glad to be here once again with Between Two Gamers. Um, we're gonna talk about the most crying moments that had me like a weepy baby. So hopefully this is a uh, very fun and entertaining. Oh yeah, maybe I'll cry while we're recording. Who's to say? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to. I'll try not to. But I am excited to talk about what gets us going. So. I think everyone picked out three moments, right? Yes. Did you guys rank yours? I didn't. I'm just kind of going no, randomly. So yeah. whatever comes to mind here is going to be the first one in my list. Okay, okay. I ranked mine, but that's okay. So <laughs> I had, you know, I really struggled with this one. So Renegade Operative, since you're our guest, why don't you kick it off? All right, sure, no problem. So the first one I'm going to list is a moment from Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots. And it's the moment when Snake is in a microwave hallway. This hallway is uh, burning him almost to death, but he's the only one that volunteered and wants to go through. As the player slowly crawls through this sort of volcanic pit, um, we see something on screen that happens at the top and we see all the other supplemental characters dying, so to speak, um, as Snake tries to get through the hallway. And it's one of those things where it's like you're mashing the button to hurry up because you don't want your main characters to be killed. Uh, and it was one of the most weirdest and saddening moments because i'm like i'm not gonna make it i'm not going to make it oh god hurry up so it, it was one of those situations where you got a cutscene where everyone is in peril and you're trying to get through as fast as possible and it's one of the most interesting and uh thought-provoking excitements ever because it's something so simple but Considering the fact that you're getting burned alive, that's also not helping. And you have this robot telling you, hurry up, come on, come through. And it's just very tear jerking and heart wrenching. And I, I just love that sequence so much. So that's I my moment. This for... game. <laughs> yeah, it, well, considering the fact that it's kind of stuck on PS3 and Sony hasn't ported it. It sucks mm. that people don't get to experience it, but once again, I, I just thought that was a great moment in gaming where something so simple is uh, you see this cutscene playing of everyone getting blown up and shot, and you're like, oh my god, I better hurry up because everyone I cared about in the entire series is actually starting to perish. So I, I really enjoyed that moment a lot. And Oof. I cried like a baby. Bruce, did you play this game? I did not know. I've only played the first Metal Gear. Ah, so Renegade Operative, we'll have to take your word on the emotional intensity of this moment. But, you know, I think you sold it to me pretty well. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> Bruce, you want to name one of your moments? Uh, yeah, why not? I will pick the one I struggled to think of the most, which would be when Clementine shoots Lee in The Walking Dead. Oh, so you chose to shoot Lee. Well, no, I did two playthroughs, so obviously we, we chose eventually. Mm, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, it hits in the feels, I've got to say. Like, considering you spend most of that game looking after the kid. and then Walk us through it. Like, How did you come to this choice? Which one's your canon ending? Tell us about it. Oh, I couldn't tell you. It's been that long. I just remember 
she went missing. You, you went into, is it a comic book shop or something? And then uh, you end up getting bit. Uh, and then it's I a know. case of like, you do the epic dad speech. And mm. then she's like looking at you, she's got the good, and then it's like, no, this man has saved us too many times, we can't let him turn. And then, poof. Yeah. It feels. It feels. Renegade Operative, you play this game? Uh, yes, I have. I am very familiar with Walking Dead Season 1. I've played most of the seasons. Um, it, I agree. Very, like, heartbreaking stuff, because I, I guess, like, it really comes from this whole bond and relationship between Lee and Clementine after all this point. And then you're, you're teaching the kid, you know, how to survive, how this world is very, very harsh. Even for Lee, you know, he's really getting his bearings uh, for the first time ever since he killed that person all the way back then, the first Walker. Um, so he's still getting accustomed to how bad it actually is. And uh, you have that speech where he tells her, you know what I mean? Because this is his last moment. He tells her that, you know, don't be scared. You have to be strong enough because this place will eat you alive. And you have the option to shoot him or I think leave. And either option you pick is just a bummer because, you know, you can't save him. You can't do anything. Yeah, I chose my first playthrough. I chose to kill him. Because, like, I just, you would, I don't know. I just, you don't want to leave him chained to a radiator, whatever it is, for the rest of eternity. But I've seen people debate this on Reddit and saying that shooting him is a dumb choice because a gun is loud. It's going to draw attention to this child who's nine years old. And I guess Clementine gets a lot of plot armor (laughs) in that situation to progress on with her life. But I just don't, I don't feel right leaving him there to turn. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, even if you shoot him, she she gets out anyway. She sees the walking uh, stragglers in the distance, which I guess that notion scared me a lot more because I'm like, <laughs> you never know if they could be affected or, or just walkers in the distance. So I'm like, don't don't go over there to those people. They could be bandits. It's, it's really harsh and, and heartbreaking when you really think about it. Yeah, I completely I completely agree. Great series. I I feel like we might be talking a little more about The Walking Dead later on. It's possible. Invite me if you do. I will be 100% for it. (laughs) So one of my moments, I ranked this number three, is from Uncharted 4. And I feel like as soon as I tell you, everyone's going to be like, Liv, why was this? Why did you cry? But I'm going to tell you anyway. So in Uncharted 4, Nathan Drake is going he's lying to elena about going to malaysia to help his brother who he thought he was dead for all these years to go after this henry avery's treasure and well the part that gets me is when uh, nathan drake sam and sully they go back to the hotel and elena is there and she sees all the stuff that they've put together to go on this trip and she was like you lied to me nate you lied to me again and it's the build-up for the past three games the first game they fall in love the second or they start to like each other the second game they fall in love the third game they're not together they're actually separated and the fourth they're they're retired and she's like you lied to me about your brother i didn't even know you had a brother you told me you've been in malaysia for weeks and she's standing there like teary-eyed and she's playing with her wedding ring and 
this is the fourth game. I know it's the end of Uncharted. So I'm like, oh my God, they're going to get divorced and this is the end. And they work through it in the later half of the game. But I love their dynamic so much, even though I think Nathan Drake's a terrible husband. But I like their banter and everything. And this is the moment where I was like, oh, no, please, please don't don't get divorced right now. Everything's tough, but we'll work through it. We'll work through it. Did anyone play Uncharted 4 and get really uh, emotional about that? No. I didn't think so. <laughs> I have. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I'm wondering, Liv, did you cry like a baby when they did the fake out where it looked like Elena hit her head on a rock? And Drake was like, hey, everything's fine. Woo, we, we got through that situation. Then he turns around and she's just laying there and then she's faking it the entire time. See, the thing is, I didn't think she was dead. I, in that moment, I was like, hmm, I don't, I, it, it's not going to happen right now. This is not how Elena would go out. Because if she was going to die, she was totally going to die in Uncharted 2 when she got blown up by like a million grenades, but somehow survives. So they really got me that, that game. They really made me think that Elena was dead. But I thought it, that moment was hilarious. And Elena's like, no, you know how it feels. And she like played like, not even like, the biggest prank because Nathan has done so much shit. Worst husband ever, to be honest. Like he just disappears. You don't know if he's dead. He'll come back when he's like ready to come back. Yeah, he just uh fought like five thousand pirates. He's fine. You see, when Terrible we were husband. doing this list, I had a feeling most of yours would be romantic stuff. Um <laughs> Honestly. To be honest, this is going to be the only romantic one on the list, although I could have gotten a second one, but I wanted to diversify my list and not just have the list be The Last of Us. <laughs> uh, well, well, it's confirmed. Liv is a big fan of rom-coms, so we, yeah. we, need, to, we need to be into that and, and, and respect those uh, preferences, so to speak. I know that when I pick this moment, everyone's going to be like, why did you cry? But I was like, the build-up! It was, it was interesting like once again there is that dynamic where it's like um they are mostly on good terms in uncharted 4 in the beginning and and you see that nate still has that sort of lust for adventure when he looks at the wall and he sees the giant pirate like cave or whatever and it's like it hasn't really gone away even though he's sitting on his couch eating wampa fruit and playing crash bandicoot or whatever was going on during that time i thought that was funny but uh yeah you can tell that once again they had the happy comfy life and uh the idea of his brother just came back and sort of dashed that all the way and he's back to his old self once again um it's like living the good old days but that time is long past so it's a little bit of a message there which i appreciate it yeah for sure so renegade operative what's your next moment um i'm going to well this one's going to be a hard one so i'm going to try to keep it uh non-spoilery as possible because i it think is, this is just going to be a spoiler episode <laughs> <laughs> this is getting a new remake so uh silent hill 2 all i'm going to say is that the end of the game uh it's a certain thing that you will have to read on screen and i'm going to keep this as vague as possible uh, once it comes up, I will say, and it's narrated too, so once it comes up, and it happens on every ending, because the game does have multiple endings, I'm pretty sure that's, like, common, uh, 
it is one of the most heartbreaking reads I've ever heard. Well acted, convincing, very long. And once you get the full context of what is going on during this entire read, you will cry like a baby, 100%. So, I can't go into any details about who it affects or what character is explaining it or what happens because that is 100% a spoiler, but I'm sure people who played the end of the game, they know exactly what I'm referring to, and it is, you'll be sobbing at the end of it, I guarantee. Even during the remake, if they execute it right, and as well acted just like the original, you're going to break down in tears. Hmm. Free, do you know what moment he is referencing? I do, and I agree massively. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm in the dark on this one, but I will be playing the remake, so I will fill you in if I'm crying like a baby. Oh, oh, she she's gonna be sobbing. I I since we both know it's that exact moment and it, it kind of really solidifies that the game is a masterpiece but once you get there you're gonna be you're, you're gonna be on the floor so i fully expect a twitter meltdown <laughs> this is very interesting because i didn't know silent hill had like some emotional appeal i just thought it was a horror game <laughs> oh it does it really does uh it, it does have those like big time psychological horror elements but uh two and the reason they're remaking two over like some of the other ones is because uh that's the one that was very popular when the series peaked and a lot of people really enjoy the story so i i think that it perfectly made sense and if they do remake the other ones they need to go back and do one because I, I need silent hill one immediately i'm very intrigued we don't know when this game is coming out. It's probably not next year. So uh, pending emotional review on my end. So I will be <laughs> awaiting this. Oh, I love games that make me cry. So I'm interested. <laughs> okay, Furry, what's on deck for you? What other emotional moments got you in your feels? Uh, this is kind of like a joint first because I can pick between the two of them. But okay. I will go with Mass Effect 3 for the one death in the game that actually made me bothered, which was Mordin. So you obviously get companions throughout the game, but um, he is a scientist. He's not exactly your, your macho hero in that sense, but there's one mission that you will do where you've got to blow up a certain building, but surprise, surprise, the detonator, detonator fails, so someone has to stay behind. Mm. So you go, obviously, Mass Effect, you make your choices. Um, my playthrough of that was we agreed that no one was going to stay behind. It, it was what it was, and we'll try and blow it up from the outside. It's fine. So you walk onto a lift, and then you get pushed in the back by Morden, and the doors lock. And then the music kicks in, and he's got, like, big black eyes, but they're kind of like puss in boot eyes at this point where you just like don't and then he does a little speech saying now he thanks you for saving this that the other but it's his turn to step up and be counted and then he turns his back as you going down and it's all like he's actually going to stay behind here what are you doing and then when you get outside like despite it being like 300 feet up in the air you somehow make eye contact obviously <laughs> yeah and then it just goes boom and you're like no why why did you do this <laughs> So is it be did he just volunteer himself because you made a choice not to choose anyone? Like is this like preventable? 
think it's preventable. But oh. I didn't have the heart to go and find out for a second time. Because oh. <laughs> I'd be angry to get that far in the game and him still die. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a case of like, that we like, no. He, he never really volunteers for anything throughout the games anyway, because he's, he's just a scientist. He makes that clear. He's not there to fight. And then he was like, no, I'm going to be stand up and count, and then blows himself up. Renegade Operative, have you played this game? I have not. Uh, I do plan to get into Mass Effect next year. I heard nothing but like really great things about it. I do have it on Steam with the Legendary Edition, but I have not formally played any of the games outside of maybe some co-op multiplayer for like Mass Effect 3, but that's it. I haven't played Mass Effect either, even though everyone's like, Liv, this is a game that's perfect for you. I think they gave it away for free on Origin, and it's coming to PS Plus this month. So, like, will I? <laughs> I'll claim it, but will I actually play it? You need to. They are so good. They are so long, so good. Like, I really don't like choice-based games, but this is one that I will quite happily sit through. So what made this guy your favorite character? What what made this really emotional for you? I wouldn't say he's like a favorite character. It's just like, obviously, like the more you go into the games, like if you do certain things in like Mass Effect 1, you can still have that companion in Mass Effect 3. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they have like a save rollover, so all your choices can affect the next game. So obviously I kept him alive for two games because I got like, get my little done. crew. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, so I've got like my military people, I've got him for healing and this, that, the other. And then it was just like, he, he just, it, there's nothing I could do to prevent it. And then it's more his little speech about like his whole life, he's done this, 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 and he's always let this slide, this, that, the other. And then he's like, but today it ends. And then it's like, boom. And you're like, oh, okay. Oof. Yeah. Wow. If I ever get around to it, I'll see if I have the same emotional moment that you do. Or maybe our choices will bring us to very different pathways. I know us will be very different. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that? Because, again, in Mass Effect, you can date anything. Oh, okay. Did you not date anyone? Uh, Yeah, I dated a woman. Mm, I I feel like I will too. Well, I feel you will date alien women. Oh, yeah. well. <laughs> that's funny. I have that. I don't know. It depends <laughs> if the character speaks to me, I guess. Interspecies dating 101. Yep. You know, why not make a little alien babies? Oh, God. What have I done? <laughs> oh, that's Mass Effect 4. So, <laughs> I don't know. I think they're making a Mass Effect 4. Who's to say? So, my next moment is a Walking Dead moment, and it's from The Walking Dead final season, and it's when Clementine gets bit. And I was like, no, this can't be happening right now. The whole story comes full circle. She had to put Lee down, and now she's with AJ, and they're in this barn, and Clementine's telling AJ to board up the place, and they drag this out. They make this as long as possible, and I'm sitting there like, oh my god, our time with Clementine is coming to an end. This is really how it's going to go down. This four-year-old is going to kill her, and it's going to be passing the torch. And you see her eyes fading and fading, and AJ just pulls up the axe, and hacks away and it fades to black and you're going back 
and you play it, you have AJ and you're like, that's it. Clementine's dead. No, they fake you out. And I still wrote this down, even though Clementine doesn't die because I was distraught because I, I raised Clementine. I can't, I didn't want my baby girl to die. And it's just, oh, that really, that really takes a lot out of me reminiscing it right now. But did any of you feel that way when playing The Walking Dead's final season, if you played it? I haven't done it yet. Oh, well, spoilers. <laughs> I, I have, and I, well, I'm of two minds. I, I do agree um, that it was a very emotional moment. But I also kind of suspected at this point in season four, I already knew that somebody major was going to get bit, whether it was Clem or someone else uh, close to her, AJ. I, I was just thinking at this point, someone was going to get it and it ended up being her. But uh, once again, with the fake outs and emotional feelings, you know what I mean? I, I, I just feel like once it's set up to focus on that secondary character, then you find out the first one was fine uh I, i'm like you know what the last of us part one it tried this once again with uh ellie in the woods and you think joel's dead and then you come to find out he's alive this whole time so I'm like fool me once shame on you so i kind of was expecting something like that to happen and thankfully it did because if it would have happened where she died i would have just been done i would have been defeated I fall for the fake outs in these games all the time. Every single mm -hmm. time. I wish yeah. I could be like, ha ha, fool me once, shame on you. No, I will fall for it every single time. I mean, the last time it was my turn, I talked about Elena being faked out, dying. <laughs> Great uh, moment, though. Liv is a big fan of fake outs confirmed on this podcast. Oh, it's just like, it's big relief, you know? But man, really hits me in my feels. Mm hmm. I agree. Okay, Renegade Operative, your last moment. Which one you got? Okay, so this one is probably common um, in the series that a lot of people have played. I would say this pick comes from Resident Evil 6, where you play as Chris, and it's the ending that you get with him, where you find out that Piers is, of course, infected with the enhanced C-Virus. Uh, so you know he's not gonna make it, you know he's mutating, like, every single second you see, like, it seems that they're conveying the scene where it's like his other arm is about to transform or whatever, you can see he's in pain, so it's not going great. Uh, Chris is very worried, he's like, you know, let's just get out of here, I can, I can fix this. Um, so he arrives to this big pod, and you sort of know what to expect at this point, they try to escape. Uh, and then Pierce realizes that he's not going to make it. Turns around, pushes Chris in the pod, and closes it. And Chris is like, what are you doing? Open the goddamn door. Hurry up. And then Pierce has sort of the same, like, um, doggy eyes uh, to Chris. It's sort of like the Mass Effect thing that Fury described. Um, but you know that uh, he's not going to open the pod again. He's stuck in there, and he sends Chris off. And they, he goes into the sunset as uh, the monster tries to kill him. Piers shoots it, but Piers is dead. Uh, I, I thought that was one of the most emotional moments of the game. And actually, it kind of made me realize and think that RE6 was like, it had a giant lackluster of those moments, except for Chris's campaign. This is why people regard Chris's campaign as the best one in that game, because it's the one that really hits hard with the ending. Uh, so I, I, I 
very much enjoyed that capcom once again tapping into the bleak and dark aspects of uh the re series and it really resonated with me a lot also it killed off uh establishing new character that was starting to grow on people so that that was something that was a bit of a tearjerker for me meanwhile the whole way through that lift was like oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'll get to Resident Evil 6 when I get to Resident Evil 6. But I thought that was the one that people didn't like. Am I wrong? People people don't. I, I, I would think that outside of the 2012 like launch, uh, folks kind of got accustomed to it over time. But they do feel like it's the one where it's like giant Michael Bay explosions and pizza explosions all over the place. And it's like, what is going on with this game? So, um, that lingering thought is still there, but, uh, overall still fun to play, but it's just, it is bloated campaign wise. Cause it's like asking you to complete four campaigns and it's like 20 to 30 hours. And some of them aren't as interesting as others, which is yeah. the problem. Four different characters. Damn. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's cause it's four stories that happen at the same time and like you will have certain event crossovers. I don't think there's any way I'm playing that game four times. <laughs> so, Furry, did you play this campaign and feel similarly in the emotional side of things? Yeah, like you said, like this new character was quite cool. And then the fact that he didn't last that long, it was like, oh, okay, never mind. Can't we kill someone else off instead? No? Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'll circle back to this one when I get to it. I'm still tr need to start Resident Evil 5, so. <laughs> Hopefully, I get on that next week, though. <laughs> Cruz, what's your last moment that you have on your emotional gaming list? Now, this one I don't ever think will be beaten, and it is Dom's uh, death in Gears of War 3. So he is... Like, the protagonist, Marcus Phoenix, is basically his number two. He kind of acts as like a little brother to him. Um, he loses his wife in Gears of War 2, I think it is. And then it, it kind of eats away at him. So he, he's kind of becoming the shell of the man that you've worked, you've worked with for like the last two games. And then there comes a situation in the game where you, you're all pending. Like you're holding out as long as you can. And you, you all kind of accept this might be the end for the group. And then Dom runs off on his own. And he just keeps referencing his wife and like Marcus is getting quite angry about it. He's like, dude, get a grip. We're all going to die. And then he does the ultimate hero thing. He goes and gets in this big car. And he's like, I I'm going to be home with you soon. This, that, the other. And Marcus is like, what are you on about? But he's talking to his dead wife. And then the music slows. And then eventually there's no music at all. And then he keeps going with like all the stuff that he's done with his wife and how he misses her. And then it, like, as he's driving out of this tunnel, Marcus kind of clicks what he's on about. And he's all like, Don, don't you dare. And then Mad World, the song kicks in. Everything goes slow motion. And then it cuts to like everyone in the squad, like individually in their own little battles. And then Don comes bursting out of a tunnel. And he's all like, that's it, it's time. And then it cuts to like Coltrane, Bird, Phoenix. And they're all just like, oh no, he's doing it. And you, you try to stop it, but then you can't because of the amount that's going on. Like you will stop and each other going off to try and save him. And it's just like a massive explosion. So he's dead. But he wipes kind of everything out and buys you enough time to get out. But then it's like the rest of the game 
you're a squad member down, you're your best friend down, but then it's all like he's finally got to go back to his wife, all this sort of stuff. It is just like, I think that is probably the greatest death in any game ever. And I think it will be very hard to beat. Oof. Man. Renegade Operative, do you play this game? I know exactly what's going on. Um, Dom is a character that will wreck you emotionally with how they conveyed. And I would even say that his wife dying in the second game is also just as devastating as this because um once he rescues her from the pod you know he thinks she's okay and then the camera cuts and it turns back to her and it looks like she's all like decayed and her skin is like all decrepit and it, basically she's brain dead she's done uh so the only thing dom does in this moment is he euthanizes her uh because she's like in pain it, it's just nothing left and then he vows to kill like everyone in the hive which is another very great moment because you resonate with it you're like let's go kill these fuckers let's do it um and i i i just loved how that all sort of culminated you feel the rage and pain and then it goes into the third game and the trailer is like really put this together well but i i knew what was happening before i actually got to play it because there's that scene where Dom is just like on the ground and uh, Locus is trying to kill him and he just accepts it. So it's it's very, very, very downer stuff. And I, I just think it's told well, it's presented well. And once it leads up to that moment where he sacrifices himself for the greater good, you just feel nothing but emotional torment and it's it's just well done uh for that character and how they sent them off so i really loved it too hmm wow i didn't know the gears of war series was like emotionally gut-wrenching i because it's, it's mostly a series about a couple of you know meathead guys going around chainsawing people have but uh that pleasantly like surprised me that they actually went into that route and that it was just more than um the bravado of people going around and stomping aliens in the head so i i, I really appreciated that yeah it's one of the it's probably the game that's almost got me to cry almost so you haven't cried at any of the moments you discussed nope. oh my oh, god no i just don't but this one is the closest i got hmm I cry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been interested in Gears of War, but I've never played any of them. Maybe one day. They're all on Game Pass. Um, so is, they're very easy to obtain. If you have like an Xbox or Game Pass PC, they're all there. And uh, the entire trilogy is also there for the taking. So I would recommend it 100%. Yeah, I think I have it on my play later list. So maybe one day I will get around to it. So my number one most gut-wrenching moment in video game history is in The Last of Us Part Two. No, it's not the opening. No, it's not the ending. It's in the middle. And it's after you play as Ellie, Abby confronts you in the theater. You switch over, play Abby. Play Seattle's Day 1, 2, 3. Back at the theater, you are Abby. And in this moment, I am convinced that this is the end of the game. So 
It is the theater throwdown where you are playing it as Abby and you have to beat up Ellie. And the whole time I'm like, I do not want to kill Ellie. I just bonded with Abby. I do not want Abby to die. I I died so many times this section because I just like wouldn't hit the button right. I would like I as soon as I thought this was gonna be the end of the game, I paused the game. I was like, I need, I need to get up. I, I walked around the house. I took a lap. I took a lap, got some water, went to the bathroom, stretched, came back down. And I was like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna finish The Last of Us Part Two. We're gonna, we're just gonna do it. When you have, you, the first time you capture Ellie, you gotta hit square and you have to, you're, you are breaking her nose. You are beating the shit out of her. Next time you break her arm. I was like, fuck. They're like, we are, this is, this is happening right now. Dina runs in with a knife and she, punches the shit out of dina and i was so convinced that this this was the moment we were we were gonna kill ellie and the game was gonna make you kill ellie and i was distraught obviously this is not the end of the game there is more to the end of the game but my god this moment i was freaking the fuck out i would also rank this as top 10 scariest gaming moments <laughs> in my opinion I know that Fruey hasn't played this game because he won't get past the opening sequence because he's a wimp. But Renegade Operative, have you played this game? I have, and uh, it's not the first time I've seen the idea of a new character trying to kill the main character. Uh, this happened to me with Prototype 2. Where, you know, you played as Alex Mercer, who was in the first game, he's the protagonist, and then in the second one, you play as James Heller, because Mercer basically affected the entire city, and Heller's family, you know, got killed in the process. Uh, but I don't think it's been done to an emotional level quite like this game. It was surreal seeing, you know yourself choke the main character, the, the, the life out of the character that you sort of fostered and raised in the first one so it's one of those experiences where it's kind of weird and also really something that you just don't want to do as you do those bun prompts but i think that was all intentional i think that was all just you know made to show hey uh this is as real as it gets and it, it did it was basically effective for me um definitely a hard situation to go through but I mean, once you find out they're just beaten to a bloody pulp and they're okay, I guess that's like the least of the worries there because then there's the end of the game where it just all culminates from there. So I, I, I did respect vision for what it was. I can pick multiple moments during this game that I wanted to include on the most emotional list. Uh, same with the first game. <laughs> this whole list could have been the Last of Us franchise moments that made me cry, but if I had to narrow down to like which one caused me the most emotional distress, it is this fight scene in the theater, for sure. Uh, well, I'm not gonna spoil what the game is, but uh, you will probably see something like this in another Sony exclusive coming out relatively soon. Uh, because I have a feeling, considering how they're setting it up. It's probably going to lead to a similar situation like this, and I think when people see it, it's going to tear them apart. So, uh, look forward to that when it comes out. Ominous, very ominous. Furry, what do I got to do to get you to play this game? Uh, nothing, because it's never going to happen. Whatever. <laughs> so, 
I, this franchise, I love it, causes me a lot of emotional distress and it will continue to cause me emotional distress forever. So, Renegade Operative, you said at the beginning, before we started recording, that you had an honorable mention. Which uh, moment did you want to mention? I did. Um, it is the ending of Spider-Man PS4 when you find out that Aunt May is like terminally sick because of a virus known as Devil's Breath. Uh, so the setup for this is basically after Peter defeats uh, Otto Octavius, he goes in and he sees Aunt May and she's dying. And, and it's like, um, we have the antidote here. And the doctor comes in and he talks about it. And he drops the bomb and he says, well, it's only enough uh, for like one vial. So he leaves it to Peter and it's like, either you use the vial to save your aunt or you could use it to save everyone in the city dying from this virus. The choice is yours. And he, he leaves. He lays it all down and leaves. And I'm like, oh, crap. I know what's going to happen. I know where this is going. So then Aunt May talks to Peter and she tells him, take off the mask. I, I know who you are. I, 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 I know everything. You know what I mean? Uh, and then they have that sort of connectivity where it's like, yeah, you're you're my aunt, you know, all this other stuff. And, and we have this sort of uh, bonding process. And she says she's proud of him. Then Peter decides he's going to it looks like a scene where he decides he's going to try to save her and put the vial into her IV tube. And then he freezes for a second, and then he decides not to. He leaves the vial on the table because a lot of other people in New York are dying, and this for the greater good. So his aunt passes away, and he gets on his knees, and he starts crying, and then you hear the, uh, I don't know, the EKG sort of just flatline as this happens. And I was just like, I remember on my playthrough, I, I, I was not saying a word. I was just like, well, man, that happened. And I feel pretty bad now, so, but I understand why he did what he needed to do and why he needed to save uh, everyone in New York, because once again, a lot of people were dying and he didn't want to be selfish. So it was tapping into that responsibility that Spider-Man is known for. And uh, that is pretty heavy as ending. I, I really liked it. Free, did you play Spider-Man? Hell yeah. Okay. Did you feel, how was your interpretation of this moment? No, the same. The only thing I'll come out with when we made that choice was the classic Uncle Ben. With great power comes great responsibility. Mm. Yep. Yes. I didn't know Spider-Man had emotional moments either. Oh, yes. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where it's like you're trapped in the superhero sort of fantasy, the power fantasy. You're Spider-Man. You could throw people off buildings if you want to. They'll, st they'll stick to the wall. Um, it's one of those things where it's like you're so caught up in it where it's higher than life you know what i mean and then uh you have to also realize these people are like human dealing with human duality and then all this stuff so uh it sort of brings them back down to our level for superheroes which i i really like when moments like that happen this is why i'm so confident in insomniac doing stuff like wolverine because if you think spider-man has moments like this uh, Wolverine has a lot more uh, in terms of uh, pain and tragedy, so uh, that that's why I mentioned there's probably going to be a lot more to look forward to when it comes to that game. Yeah, yeah, that they hopefully they'll show more of that game soon, but they really did, they teased it and they're like, we're working on it. But I, I do know that he has a heavy storyline. 
Yeah, I, I think that they know that it's like we got to get Spider-Man 2 out of the way first. So unfortunately, we have no news for this game, but I, I think it's going to slip it to 2024, no doubt. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure they weren't starting it until 2023. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, the first snippet we got, they got in production 23, and you're like, oh, okay, so this is going to be like 24, 25. And then they shared the Spider-Man trailer straight after, and you're like, and this is why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll get an update on that soon. Ah, uh, you know what? I might as well put one more personal honorable mention into this podcast. One thing at the tail end, a little personal bit, just in case people want to hear like a little bit of an extended honorable mention. And uh, I guess it's obvious we brought up Last of Us once on this podcast. So I want to cycle back to the original Last of Us, and that is the scene where Joel and Sarah get outside of a quarantine zone in the beginning of the game. You already know what this is. This sets up the whole entire basis of Joel's story in The Last of Us Part 1. So he takes his daughter, and she's obviously hurt, and uh, there is one sole guard. He's standing right there. He's getting orders. He killed the runners behind Joel and Sarah. Then he gets the order to kill them. He doesn't want to. He really doesn't want to. It's a child there, but due to the nature of the world, and it shows a harsh reality, a harsh picture of the world and how people are just, they are vindictive. They are dogmatic. And then you see the soldier pull out the gun. He starts firing. Then Joel's on the ground groveling. Please, please don't kill us. Please don't kill me. And then he gets shot in the head by Tommy. In the nick of time, Tommy saves his brother. But there is the startling revelation that Sarah has been hit in the gunfire. And then Joel crawls over, grabs her, and he's just holding on for dear life. You know what I mean? The little life she has left. Just holding on as she's bleeding out. And then you see Sarah's body. She goes limp. You know, at this point, she's dead, and Joel's just in this very dramatic denial about losing his daughter. He's like, he can't, he can't even do anything. He he can't. He's just feeling all of this emotion, uh, rushing towards him, trying to revive her in disbelief. You know what I mean? And he's just trying and trying, but she's already gone. It's too late. And that's one of the moments in The Last of Us that is just super impactful. Like, like that scene, I didn't cry during it, but it was one of those scenes where you could, you could see that. It's very heart-wrenching, you know, and, and, I, and I guess this scene would hurt even more if you're a parent who actually has a child and, and, and your child is just, you know the light of your life and you see that snuffed out before your very eyes and you live out that painful moment and it's just an ugly disgusting feeling and it's just you know in a sense they're trying to capture this story this characterization and it's just pushed by good voice acting good performances troy baker and i forget the actress's name who played sarah uh, you know, Joel's daughter. I forget her name. I'm sorry. I apologize. Once again, my hands are up here 
praying i'm sorry i forgot your name but um you did great you, you guys all did fantastic after Druckmann pushed so hard he, he pushed the cast so hard to have this organic and heart wrenching moment I, I wouldn't say heartfelt because it's not uh but it, it, it's just something that was needed to accommodate this mature level of storytelling to show we're actually going to push the boundaries and take this really really seriously and it's something that makes me appreciate the last of us to this day for doing that and invoking on that sort of emotional journey that sets up the rest of the plot and um it was quite a gut punch and i think in my entire like 30 plus years of gaming i will never forget a scene like that it did make me cry it, it, it did not make me cry but it definitely resonates with you for a long long time that's what i felt about that so I think that wraps up our emotional games conversation. Renegade Operative, thank you for waking up early this Sunday morning to talk to us about these very, very distressing moments in games. Where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Renegade Operative. You can find me on Twitter at RenOperative underscore. Uh, currently, I am trying to finish Silent Hill 3 because it's my first time ever playing it. And I think it's a very interesting game for the most part uh, from what I played. Definitely a lot more combat options that I enjoyed a lot more than Silent Hill 2. So uh, definitely come by, check that out. And once again, our podcast stuff is on the Infinite Ammo Syndicate. We uploaded something, I forgot what it was because my brain is dead, but I, I think it was a Resident Evil discussion on the Village DLC. Uh, so if you play Shadows of Rose and, and you want to get spooky and listen to something like that, then that podcast is available now. Awesome. Well, we always love working with you, so thank you for taking time today to talk about emotional games. Oh, no problem. Anytime. <laughs>